0: Miracy, I think it's part, it's hardwired into our behaviors as, as human beings, but we can make peace with it. We can let it be and say it's not helpful and that's not aligned with who I am, what I want to do, and it's not my story.
1: Hello and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. My name is Melinda Cohen. My company, The Coaches Console, has supported more than 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating their own profitable coaching businesses. Today, we're going to talk about a very common and equally important topic that all coaches have to deal with. It's a tendency, even a habit, of so many of us. I'm talking about should-ing. I should do this. I should do that. What's the harm in engaging in a little shoulding? My coaching colleague, Misen Fontaine, an entrepreneur and an ACES coach at Miracy, will explain in just a few minutes. But to start off the episode, I'm going to read an email that we received from a listener. It's from a coach who wants to remain anonymous. And a little side note here, unless you tell me otherwise, any email that you send me that we read on the air will be anonymous. We want to encourage you to be open about what's troubling you without worrying about what your clients might think. Hi, Melinda. I'm having trouble with a client of mine staying on track and trusting the process. He perceives that he should be ahead of where he actually is. He's very determined and devoted to his business's vision, but there's a gap between his vision and reality. He's constantly in the mindset of, I should be at such and such a level by now. Or he'll say something like, if I'd only gotten 10 more students in my course, I would be seen as an expert. His constant shoulda, woulda, coulda is getting in his way. He's losing his motivation and momentum. And what can I do to help him? Anonymous, I understand. I have experienced this a lot. My clients, my students, other coaches, everybody, we all should all over ourselves. My very first coach, which was 19 years ago now, very directly pointed it out to me. Melinda, she said, you're shoulding all over yourself. But is this a problem that is fixable or is this just an inevitable human behavior? What is this shitting thing about? Why do we do it? And is it always a harmful thing? Yes and no, let me explain. When we're stepping out of our comfort zone, going for a goal or our desire, we start to talk about the things we should do to get there. The kind of shoulding keeps us in forward motion. We feel like we're making progress, even when we may not be making as much progress as we'd like. That can be helpful should. That should is also a way to set intentions. If we have awareness, we can say, let's move from a should intention to an action item. So the should can become a reality. However, if we're not careful and we live in the land of ambivalence for too long, that's when the shoulding starts to take a negative turn. It's always a disaster when we compare somebody else's external situation with our behind-the-scenes situation. When we say, I should be at seven figures by now, or I say, I should be a New York Times bestselling author, we beat ourselves up for being where we are, and we fail to acknowledge the progress that we have made. That's when the negative side of shooting really gains momentum. Now, I don't think a human being can get themselves out of the dark side of shitting. I think we have to have a coach. We have to have a mentor. There has to be a guide to help us see straight again. And that's why I'm gonna introduce you to Misen Fontaine in a moment. Misen has written on the subject of shooting. He has some pretty interesting and cutting edge thoughts about it. Our guest coach today on Just Between Coaches is Misen Fontaine. Misen has more than 20 years of experience running a small business. He is also an ACES coach at Miracy and a Frenchman living in the U.S. Welcome, Misen.
0: Thank you, Melinda. Glad to be with you. I'm so
1: happy to have you here, and I'm really excited to talk about this conversation. And Misen, what do you think about the coaches' concern about shooting?
0: Well, I think they are not alone, for sure. Like you mentioned in your experience, it's been mine as well, a lot of shooting going on with myself and with people I'm a business coach for.
1: And I'm curious, Misen, why do you think we should all over ourselves so much? Like what function does it serve, if any?
0: Hmm. I think for one thing, there is the shooting sometimes is not us shooting on ourselves. I think it goes back to expectations. I think we shoot ourselves because of aspirations that we have and things we see are there. And we want to rise to that level. The thing is, as you pointed earlier, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. That's when the shooting leans towards the uh, toxic side of the spectrum. And then there is the other side you mentioned, which is, it gets us into gear. But I don't consider that to be shooting. I consider that to be stubborn optimism or or, or something else mm. but that's why it becomes helpful interesting
1: so like the the comparison the expectations when we're when we're comparing that that's when if we're not careful we start shooting all over ourselves or others start doing it to us even
0: mhm i think it boils down to taking on someone else's story without examining it and making it our own I think that to me is what the shooting uh, on ourselves boils down to. When I say I should, let's say, have employees, if I'm going to be an entrepreneur, that's a very common one, unless and until I have employees and staff, I don't have a, a real business. I hear that a lot. So that's one of those big shoots out there. And that is somebody else's story that we've decided to take on as our own without examining it, without looking at what it means for us, without looking at whether or not it's aligned with what we want, or if it even makes any sense. So that's, to me, is the the marker of shooting.
1: And tell me, do you think that shooting can ever be beneficial to the person who
0: is doing it? I don't think so. I really don't. I, I think what can be beneficial is to maybe accept, make peace with the shooting. I think you mentioned earlier, we we won't be able to extricate ourselves from all the shooting that we do. I think it's part, it's hardwired into our behaviors as, as human beings. So I don't think we're going to walk away from that ledge very easily, but we can make peace with it. We can let it be and say, it's not helpful. And that's not aligned with who I am, what I want to do. And it's not my story. That's my business partner's story. That's my mother's story. Let it be and remind ourselves of whose story that is. I think what might be helpful, what is helpful, is leaning towards the stubborn, optimism side of the spectrum, which is believing in things we should do, taking action, showing up to do those things, so long as they align with what we actually do want, and, and who we are, our vision, our values.
1: Now let's let's look at the opposite side of that. Like, what is the harm that is done when we get in that that trap of
0: shooting? For me, it spirals um, out of control pretty quickly. I think. I mean, I'm, I am not a mental health professional, but definitely, the shooting can quickly turn into depression. Can quickly turn into anxiety, lack of self esteem. Or even on the everyday paralysis, you know, you feel paralyzed with all the shoots. If you start listening to those voices, to those shoots, then it becomes paralyzing and it prevents you from taking the next step. So I think the immediate result of shooting is inaction mm-hmm. in many cases. Yeah, yeah, them. like
1: playing small, like a holding back mm-hmm. and so they're not showing up and and... Yeah, very interesting. Now, with all the awareness you had, because you've written on this topic, and with with all the awareness that you have, I'm sure the listener is wondering, do you still should all over yourself?
0: Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. Every day, I should, and I remind myself, okay, nice try. No, it's hard. I, I haven't mastered the not shooting on myself, but I try to remind myself of the fact that it's part of the journey, it's it's those voices will creep up, and it's okay to welcome them, to say thank you for the reminder, and you're not my story, and I did not cast myself in that role, so I'm going to go back to doing what I set out to do. So that's what I do with it. But no, they don't go away, at least not for me, and if you have the secret, I want to know. No, hold. I was hoping you did, because I don't have the secret either. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe the secret, if there is one, is asking yourself, whose story is that? Mm. I think it's it's helpful if you can catch yourself, you know, at the time of the shooting and, and really pause, okay, why am I feeling that way? Whose story is that? It, it's a very powerful question. I didn't come up with it. I forget where I heard it, but I thought, okay, that is actually the key.
1: That's a powerful coaching question, right? Because then it's up to them to say, well... I'm telling my story, but not if you're using the word should, then it's not your story, right? So mm-hmm.
0: exactly. immediately
1: they'll either begin to agree or disagree, but in either case, you're you're calling out that pattern.
0: Exactly. And in a coaching uh, context, I remember one specific example of someone showing up really, really frustrated They had on the agenda to create some content, as many entrepreneurs do, you know, blog posts, these type of things. And they had decided that they should be writing that content well ahead of time, well ahead of the date on which they were due to, to post it. And they showed up with that, that it should be ready. And after a few questions, it became clear that the content was good. That's when they did their best work. And it wasn't compromising anything, either quality nor their timeline. But someone else had told them that it should be done on a different schedule. So we were solving for something that was a non-issue. And it created extreme anxiety for this particular entrepreneur. Mm.
1: Now, I also have a, a process to address shoulding. When you're living in the land of shoulding, I should do this, right? I should do that. It's usually wrapped in the tone of complaining of some sort, right? So I'll say to my clients on a call, all right, you've got five minutes to take the BMW around the block. And BMW stands for bitch, moan, and whine. And I can say, now you can bitch, moan, and whine. I'm setting the timer. Let it rip for five minutes. Get it out of your system because after that, we're getting to work. And then they do, right? And when they're like the timer's going and for those five minutes, they'll actually make it worse, and it just gets really messy with their shooting, but they get it out of their system, and it's been a technique that's worked really well for me.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love it. I will borrow that. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the the shooting you asked earlier, I think you asked, well, where does it come from? How helpful is it? I think a lot of it comes as a reaction to pressures, like societal mm-hmm. pressures. And 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 there is no space sometimes for that, you know, bitching and moaning or venting. And I think that can be a great way to vent, let that be what it is, and then move on with the story we chose, not the story in our head. So I think that's a great way. It's a very cathartic way of uh, letting go of those stories that are not ours. Mm-hmm.
1: I also find that when I tell them that, I always get a giggle or a laugh, and it lightens the because we, ha- whenever we're shitting on ourselves, we take ourselves so seriously, and it just lightens the mood. And then we can shine the light, and it, and then now they're not the resistance in that energy anymore. So I, I find mm-hmm. it kind of breaks open the hold that shitting can have on somebody.
0: Absolutely, and you know that story I mentioned earlier about the the entrepreneur with their content creation, and we have a good relationship, so I say, okay, let me make sure I understand this correctly. You are trying to write content on a different time schedule, not to solve a quality problem, not to solve any problem at all, but just because someone else told you that was a good idea. So is that what was going on? Yes. And they realize. I mean, right there, just, just me poking fun at the fact that we were obsessing over, an, over a non-issue the absurdity mm-hmm. of the shooting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great quote the absurdity of the shooting. that's that's a write downable for me anyway. Now I want I want to touch on a more sensitive but you know nonetheless important angle and I can only speak from my own experience. but I find that women should all over themselves all day, every day. Like we are constantly comparing ourselves to the masculine or magazine covers, our neighbors, our friends, like you name it. And so I'm wondering, is this shooting something that you have observed in, you know, different demographics or maybe more than other demographics, for instance, age, race, nationality, gender, sexuality, like do certain groups of people feel like they should be at a different stage than they are more than other groups?
0: absolutely absolutely there is this concept that stuck with me a few years back it's it's called intersectionality so it's essentially the way i understand it all those different facets of who we are that we bring to the table so it can be any of the facets you mentioned it can be gender it can be sexual orientation could be uh, race could be culture the list goes on and yes i think definitely for me there is a part of me that that comes with extreme privilege. I am a male, I'm white, I'm French. So that comes with things. But other parts of who I am come with a lot more shoulds <laughs> than than the other parts. Uh, so it could be, I'm a gay male, I'm an immigrant. Once again, the list goes on. And I think that the same thing is true of the people we coach. And sometimes those things are very visible. You know, whether I'm white or not, you can see that and you might be able to draw implications around what types of shooting might be going on for me. But sometimes it's something that's entirely invisible uh, to the coach. So we never know the extent of the shooting that goes on in in people's heads, in their lives. And that's why having that trust built with the people you, you coach is important. But yes, to answer your question very directly, definitely for a lot of people, that intersectionality of who they are and what they bring into the world, does come with a long list of shoots that is not necessarily very helpful in them doing their best. Once again, to rise up to a level of expectations that the rest of the world has set for us, usually without any basis whatsoever. Maybe. Yeah.
1: And I think what's what's uh, coming up for me right now is as a coach, it's so important for us to hold that space for in that container for our clients because some of the shouldings we might hear because we hear them say, I should do this. I should be that. "I If I could have done this, I would have done that. So we might hear it and it might be mm-hmm. explicit and obvious, but there might be the underlying shoulds that aren't as obvious that we need to be mindful of as we're holding space for and guiding our clients.
0: Very true. Absolutely. And and sometimes, I mean, I don't know if it's true for all coaches, but for me, what I'm trying to say is the extent of the shoots that go on into someone's head is really, really hard to figure out. And some of, yeah, it's just difficult to understand the extent of the weight you mentioned for women. If you're, let's say, a black woman entrepreneur happens to be, let's say, an immigrant or or in a same-sex relationship, those add up very, very quickly, and it becomes very difficult to just show up and do what you want to do as an entrepreneur and make the, the change that you'd like to see happen in the world because all those shoulds really weigh on you.
1: Now, I can see it being helpful to say should, in two scenarios, like similar to what I said before, if, if you're in the early stages of setting a goal, if you're not able to see the next steps, well, just guess. Like if you were to guess what should you be doing and how might you go about XYZ, like that kind of shooting can be helpful. And then, like I said, taking the BMW around the block and encouraging the, them to cough up that fur ball, if you will and just holding that space. So I'm wondering, is there ever an instance where you would encourage someone to say, I should? Can you see a positive side to all this?
0: Yes, I can. It's shooting on ourselves when there is no guarantee of results, but the things we think we should do are aligned with the way we want to show up in the world, what we want to see happen. It's very intentional. It's very deliberate. It's our story, we own it, and we're okay with showing up to do the work, even though there is no guarantee of results. And that's a big part of the entrepreneurial journey. You have to show up every day with things you should be doing, even though you don't know if they're going to work as anticipated. You may have to pivot, you may have to iterate, but still, you show up, you're stubbornly optimistic. The stubbornly optimistic side of the equation. I love
1: that, stubbornly optimistic. So now I want to go back to Anonymous to summarize some of the things that we talked about. First, today's topic, shoulding, it's very common. We all do it. And if we're not careful and aware, shoulding will prevent us from moving forward. It will. It will take us out of being present and we'll go into the dark side of it, But when we can stay in the positive side, it actually can equip us to move forward. And there is that positive side that when we set new goals, shoulding can help us imagine our next step or guess when we're not sure to keep us in that forward momentum. And then to help your client become aware of his or her shoulding, you can ask questions like whose story are you telling? Whose story do you feel you're not adhering to? and help them discern if it is their story or is it someone else's. So, Misen, any parting words?
0: Maybe just a quote. There is this quote I love in a book called The 14-Hour Stars by John Green. The quote is, if you want the rainbow, you have to deal with the rain. So I'll leave you with that. I think that speaks to the shooting.
1: Beautiful. It's all part of what creates the amazingness of whatever journey we find ourselves on. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And I got to thank my partner today, Misen Fontaine, who shared some interesting points of view about shooting. And one of the things that I loved, the absurdity of shooting I'm going to definitely borrow that. And if you want to hear more from him about his expertise, you can find that and much more right on designarts.org. That's designarts.org. Misen, thank you. We will do this again sometime.
0: My pleasure, Melinda. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. If you like today's episode, you'll surely enjoy the inspirational episodes over at Making It. In this podcast, you'll hear successful entrepreneurs describing what making it means to them and how they made it. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Danny Eney is our executive producer. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And if you have a question for Just Between Coaches, put the show title in the subject line and send it to podcasts at miracy.com. That's podcasts, plural, podcasts at MiraC, mirasee.com dot com.